All right. Welcome to another episode of Jetstream Live. I'm super excited to be here with Nadine Abdallah. She's the head of growth at Someone Somewhere. And we're going to be getting the story on how they've grown. So really excited to jump into that. But before we do that, I'd love to hear from Nadine a little bit about yourself and, and tell us what Someone Somewhere is doing and what you're up to. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here and share our story. So like you mentioned, I'm the head of growth here at Someone Somewhere. Basically, I lead all of our brand's growth across all of our channels. So our direct-to-consumer channels, our business solutions channels, and then helping out with impact. What we do as a company is we're a social enterprise. So we work with indigenous female artisans here in Mexico and around the world to make sure we're providing job opportunities to the artisans and boost economic development. So we're a for-profit business. We make beautiful products with artisans and collaborating with them. And then we sell those products to consumers like yourself, to large businesses, and then make sure that we create jobs for them every single day. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing and hearing more companies do this, you know, whether they call themselves a, a purpose-driven company or there's just they want to make an impact that's not just revenue-driven. Um, can, can you talk about why maybe we're seeing more of those types of businesses that have a purpose that's beyond, you know, just you know, increasing shareholder value or driving profits and revenues? Yeah, absolutely. I think the world has drastically changed. The world is continuing to change every single day. We're seeing the impact of our buying decisions, what we're doing, our actions. And a large part of that is the businesses we actually consume from or work with. And so businesses have a huge responsibility to actually be players in the world and driving impact and change because of their large scale and their large reach. So you're seeing companies like Someone Somewhere and Social Enterprises actually kind of redefine their revenue models to bring about change because we can do so. And I think that social enterprises really have a cool niche in the market because it allows for cross-sector collaboration. You're helping the impact space, you're a private business, but then you're able to kind of make sure that these revenue models are driving change in the right way. And so we're seeing a lot of that because as companies, we have responsibilities to do so. And there are so many problems or causes that we should be supporting. And all of our consumers and shareholders and clients actually care about them. So that's why I think you're seeing that shift and we can do so in a responsible way through B Corps, which is a certification that someone somewhere has right now. So our whole value chain is actually audited, evaluated every single year to make sure that we're acting responsibly and acting you know, in accordance with governance, environmental impact, social impact, et cetera. And so a lot of companies are kind of receiving that kind of scrutiny from their consumers and from their shareholders and have to respond to them which is great for us because we can have a lot more impact in the world for different causes. Yeah, this is really cool. I, I see that B Corp a lot more. And, you know, if you're starting a company and wondering like, you know, what, what do I do or how do I make sure I fit sort of the standard in the mold to be, you know, a strong, ethical, morally, uh, you know, functioning company and doing the right things that do have a positive impact because you can make an impact negatively Absolutely. as well as a, as a business. So to be on, on that side of, you know, doing good. Uh, and you're right, you said it earlier, that the world is changing. And I think, you know, the, the next generation is growing up, you know, keeping that really in mind, you know, it's, it has to be a complete business that does good in a lot of ways. It can't do good over here and do something, you know, bad in, in this other way. So uh, we're seeing more of that. And it's hard. It's hard to be a business that is yeah. that socially or environmentally aware of the actions that we have. So when we think about someone somewhere specifically, we have to think about, all of our supply chain, our logistics, where are we getting our materials? How are we working with artisans and communities? And it's so much easier to do it in a way that is cutting corners and not thinking right. about a positive impact, like you mentioned. And so 
there's a lot of respect for these social enterprises and B Corps because it's a lot harder to have a more, let's call it clean model and operate in that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it is difficult to, to keep track of and, and figure out how to do that in, in the right way. So, you know, it, it's great to hear that you've, you know, figured that side out and that you have a real model that works and you have a business that's, that's growing. And, and so I'd love to hear from you on, you know, how you've grown at someone somewhere, someone somewhere, sorry. Uh, and, and uh, you know, where you're sort of headed with this business, right? Because it is still, as you mentioned, a for-profit business. It still needs to make money. Uh, and you've grown quite significantly. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great question and something we think about every single day because as a social enterprise, like we discussed, our growth actually has direct impact in communities and to job generation. So the only way we can increase the positive impact we're having is by growing our demand. Mm-hmm. And so it's been an interesting journey, especially in these turbulent times with the pandemic, with what we're seeing economically that's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And we've had to pivot a lot in the last couple of years. But to give you some context of where we started and where we're going, um, we started off as a D2C brand. So a direct-to-consumer brand making clothing and accessories alongside artisans and selling them to first the Mexican market. We started online in Mexico, which is interesting. We grew exponentially. We opened up retail stores in Mexico and then launched in the US and Canada, which is really exciting for us. So now kind of operating on the D2C side of things across North America. Um, So that means we're able to get as much demand as possible selling our products so we can have jobs for for artisans and communities. Mm -hmm. Then the pandemic happened. And of course, people were, again, we had to pivot. And with crisis comes great opportunity to think about new revenue models and think about growth. And so what was challenging for us is as a social enterprise, we can't let demand dip because if demand dips, that means artisan jobs are lost. So it was this whole conundrum and how do we make sure that we're still driving impact but also increasing demand in a time where people's decisions or buying decisions were kind of put on hold because of their economic situations because of loss of jobs etc and so at the same time as all of that tourism was really bad in Mexico because it was a pandemic and these are all revenue drivers that impact our growth and our demand in our D2C space so we pivoted we thought about organically, how can we still grow? How can we still drive impact? And then started offering our products to organizations. So thinking about how do we have bigger orders, bigger demand for companies that are looking for ways to connect with their employees, connect with their customers, connect with impact in this pandemic world that was kind of taking away connection from everyone. And so we launched business solutions. And what that means is we work with organizations to create indigenous made artisan made products with organizations that are part of their value chain. So think about onboarding for a large company, think about, okay, a huge customer experience play, think about virtual events. And so alongside a lot of these companies who put trust in us during the pandemic, we were able to grow our demand, triple our demand, um, open up new communities and make sure that we had impact for artisans during a time where demand was very hard to attain. So that's kind of our growth driver right now. When we think about D2C, we're still, creating new products that solve a need in your life in collaboration with these amazing um, artisans and thinking about new communities. And on the business solution side, we're partnering with organizations that believe in impact, believe in social environmental impact. And then all of that to say, to grow our actual impact in communities. So I know it's a, it's a long one, but our impact model is kind of holistically threefold, I would say. Yeah. And, and I love to hear that. Like I like to look at constraints or challenges and, and, 
try to see them as opportunities. It's hard not to put, you know, a negative uh, sort of eye on that. But if you can look at it and step back and say, like, okay, where's the opportunity in this? Because it's always there. And I love hearing about that. You know, like we pivoted and, you know, we found a new revenue model. We're growing even faster. The model that's working as well. And so when they come back together, um, so when, sorry, when, I think, uh, I think I lost my connection there for a second. It's okay. It's the pandemic. Okay. I think, I think we're good. Sorry about that. Um, so, you know, it's just nice to hear that when those constraints happen or those problems happen, we can turn that into a negative, turn that into a positive. And then when we, when it comes back, we have this like additional revenue model that we've actually grown significantly more by, you know, taking that pivot, uh, and, and making that opportunity. So that's really cool to, to hear that you did that. Um, one of the things that I'm kind of curious about more specific with, with someone somewhere is, you know, you mentioned the, the artisans that, you, that you're working with, what are the products, what, what are the, some of the products that you're selling? Uh, and then, you know, how are you growing with, with those products specifically? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really great question. So someone somewhere is kind of focused on socially and environmentally conscious globetrotters. So people that are curious about learning about the world, curious about learning about cultures. So a lot of our products that we create are geared towards those types of people. So backpacks, um, different types of backpacks that are made for travel, whether that's travel outside of the country, inside of the country, there's a lot of city travel, just exploring mm, the world around right. and learning. So our backpacks and accessories are a large part of our business. We also have ready to wear products. So shirts, pullovers, um, windbreakers that are made with artisan interventions and everything that we try to make at someone somewhere has a functional purpose. So it's either glow in the dark because you're a biker. It has numerous compartments because you need them when you're traveling. Um, it's either eco-friendly or becoming eco-friendly because we know that that's something that's very important to our communities as well as our consumers. And so those are some of the kind of the products we're creating for our direct to consumer business. On the business solution side of things, the cool thing about working with artisans is you have so much flexibility to mm. create something with them. And because we have these amazing relationships and communities, we're able to go in there and think of new patterns and think of ways to actually personalize products or think of new silhouettes. So create products from scratch, um, which has been so fascinating because we've been able to work with organizations to actually fulfill their business needs and product specs alongside artisans in these communities, which is cool for them because it broadens their horizons and it broadens our horizons kind of going from mm -hmm. business world into the communities. But I think a long-winded answer is we have lots of products. Most of them are focused on, on conscious globe trotters, but are able to make any kind of product alongside the artisans. And I think our next chapter and, and challenge going into this year is, like I mentioned, becoming a little bit more eco-friendly. So right now we're using regenerated cotton fibers, we're using recycled polyester, we're thinking about ways to get rid of parts of our products like plastics and zippers that are large contaminants. Um, but it is a challenge and we're in the, on that journey because we know that environmental issues often impact the most vulnerable communities. And so that's our next challenge, how do we keep functional products but also make them sustainable? Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting challenge. And you know, I, I don't think about that enough that like, you know, the 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 people that are most affected by this stuff, you know, are, are also, you know, you know, they're, they're the ones that, that deal with the brunt of it. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're out of touch with that, you know, yeah, you want to make an impact, but if you haven't really seen it and experienced it, you can't really know it's important. So, um, you know, I'm sure being in a company like someone somewhere, 
that's at the forefront. You're constantly thinking about that and it's on your mind. And uh, I think that's also why, you know, we're seeing more awareness. We're seeing this, uh, you know, expand and grow and, and seeing more companies, you know, become B Corps and, and uh, you know, have this purpose in mind. But if you're out of touch from it, if you're too far from it, you have to go to it to like experience it and really understand it uh, and, and then see the impact. Um, I, I'm curious about how, how marketing played in, into the, into the growth. Like what was the marketing strategy, whether it's, you know, ads or digital or PR uh, and how you, you know, uh, use that to, to grow the company? Absolutely. I think that's a really good question and a huge part of our story. Um, when we think about someone somewhere, what we're selling is a story. We're selling connection to artisans. We're selling generation of impact. And so it's really important to tell that story in a way that's not exploitative, that's not intrusive, that's true to what we're doing. And marketing plays a huge role into that. And it looks different for countries. So like I mentioned, in Mexico, we started off in Mexico as um, with our e-commerce channel. And marketing is a huge important part about driving traffic to your e-commerce channels, of course. Yeah. But, you know, the, the channels and the tactics we kind of pursued in Mexico look a little bit different than they do in the States when we launched in the States. Right. And that's just due to competition, obviously due to, you know, CPMs. I don't want to get too technical, but <laughs> there are a lot of things that either work or don't work. So without getting too much into detail, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of, okay, yeah. what segments work, what channels work, what communications make more sense for a Mexican market versus a U.S. market. How do we kind of make sure that we're becoming an international and global brand? Because it's a global challenge that we're trying to solve. Like artisans don't only exist in Mexico, they exist in all parts of the world. And so our marketing strategy was a lot of, um, you know, social, paid media, et cetera, but also a lot of PR. So helping, using the help of some journalists and broadcasters and et cetera, help us tell our story or at least broadcast our story. So a big part of that. And then I think a lot of our marketing has kind of changed recently as we go into the business solution side of things because we're working with organizations. And so when you get a product as a consumer, that's actually marketing. You're receiving something and everyone, all these products become kind of right. brand ambassadors, right? So one of our largest partnerships right now is with Delta Airlines. And so we're working with them to create first class amenity kits made by uh, indigenous female artisans in Mexico. And then every passenger in first class receives this beautiful amenity kit, which is a huge marketing channel for us. And so how do we drive, you know, what you're receiving back to our e-commerce channels is actually really important. And how we're doing that is, you know, landing pages, QR codes, really driving that story in that way. But I guess that's to say that it's a lot of trial and error and seeing what works and kind of leveraging the channels that we've created and then the stories that we've created to make sure that we keep growing. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right on that. You know, it's, it's trial and error. And, and, you know, one of the things that people get hung up on is like, I want it to be perfect and I want it to work. And then they forget to kind of just start, right? Like you have to start and then find out what works. It's the same with, with a product. You need to put that product out there and see what feedback you get and on how you improve it and how you make it better and how you actually meet the customer demand and also solve their problem. And so marketing, I, I say it operates in the, in a lot of the same ways, right? Like you have to build that campaign, test it out, see what, you know, test against the elements and see what feedback you get in order to make it into a, a great campaign. So you're constantly iterating, improving, looking at data uh, and making adjustments. And that's just a big part of uh, marketing. Uh, one of the things you said was um, not be exploitative because that definitely you know, comes up is like, how do you make sure, like if you put out a PR piece, 
how do you make sure that that comes across in the way, right way and so that it doesn't look like you know you're exploiting something or you're that you're doing this good thing to generate revenue right like it, it, you are you know it's kind of a difficult <laughs> thing to manage i'm sure and i think that's a really great question and something we think about every single day and because we are a social impact based organization those are some of the questions that we ask ourselves in meetings. It's like, does this make sense? Are we telling the story right. in an ethical way? Are we telling the story that's true to what's actually being done? And a lot of that is done by our impact team, which spends a lot of time in these communities, understanding them and understanding what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. We, we also yeah. actually collaborate with the artisans. So the artisans aren't our employees. We're their clients. They're right. they their own business. They work. Like we work with them, we give them orders. And so it's just thinking about the model and how we actually explain it in a way that makes sense. And so they're not employees of someone somewhere. They're not beneficiaries of someone somewhere. We're trying to bring integrity to the work that we're doing. And so we are their client and we pay them for their services because they're actually right. creating services for us. And that's the difference about you know, positioning it as a social enterprise and not a foundation, for example, where you're just donating money to these artisans, we're making sure that we're actually solving the problem from the root by creating jobs and creating demand. And that way it's less exploitative because our model is actually true and full of integrity. Um, but to answer your question, it does cross a line. You know, that's what we're talking about with yeah. social enterprises. And I really um, am so proud and have a lot of respect for our impact team and our marketing teams that actually spend a lot of time with the artisans firsthand that are able to kind of share that story and make sure it's the right story. Yeah, that, that's really cool. It's kind of like the inverse of like when we start working with with a new client, you know, we want to talk to the customers, yeah, right? Because they're they're the ones that are all ultimately going to purchase this. We can think what we want or the client can think what they want, you know, think about why they buy it, but we really need to understand why they buy it. And in this case, it's, you know, why did they, why did they make this? Exactly. And where did that come from? And where does that story, you know, what is that story? And then how do we share that? So, I mean, that makes it, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, and then it's interesting too, because you're, you're, you're creating a real model. Like you said, it's not a charity. It's like, this is a real business model and you are their client. You're purchasing with them. It's a, you know, uh, a business exchange that, Absolutely. you know, should work, you know, at, at the root. So that's really cool. It's, it's neat to understand, you know, how, how these businesses work and, and, you know, how you view this sort of stuff as well. So I appreciate you sharing that. Totally. Thank you for asking. It's always challenging. And I know that, the organization has gone through many iterations of the model, right? So like you said, with marketing, it's trial and error. That's what's having, we're like a budding social right. enterprise, we're a startup. And so the benefit of that is being able to test things, fail fast, change things from what we're learning. And we are a very data-based organization. So we're looking at the numbers in very, I would say, objective ways. And when we think about the impact space, a lot of what's being developed now and what was missing in the past is putting numbers behind impact and actually being objective about the numbers, not only the anecdotal evidence that exists from impact in space. And so that's been a large part of how we built our model, like using data and uh, making sure the data makes sense. And if it doesn't, we need to change something. Yeah, very, very cool. Very cool. Um, I'm curious a little bit about the brand, but I also want to ask about the name. You know, wh wh where does someone somewhere come from? And then if you could just talk a little bit about the brand and how that's impacted your growth. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with the name. Someone Somewhere is, it took a lot of whiteboarding and throwing post-its at the wall. You know, one of those war room sessions when we think yeah. about it. But there are a couple of things that influenced the name of the brand. One, 
we're trying to be an international brand. So our name, you know, was in Spanish before and we wanted to expand our impact, not only in Mexico and Latin America, but, you know, we have aspirations to grow across the world. So making sure that it was an English name was really important. Mm. And then we thought about what we actually do as a company. So we actually connect someone somewhere in the world to another someone somewhere else in the world, which is why the name came to be. So an artisan actually is making the product that you're, that you're receiving in, let's say Oaxaca, which is one of the most vulnerable States in Mexico. And you Mike are receiving this product somewhere in the world in Canada. And that's so beautiful and kind of bridging that gap and bridging that connection. And so all of our products actually to kind of bolster this name are signed by the artisan and where they're from by cool. hand, yeah. which is cool. And um, just to bring it back to the branding aspect, I mean, that's also kind of a journey that we've had uh, with our marketing teams and with our brand and innovation teams, but it's really around storytelling and bringing that connection. The branding aspect has been a large part of why we've been able to successfully grow. Um, you know, understanding the naming behind someone somewhere, the integrity behind it, our actual model is built into this brand image and this brand that we're trying to kind of grow within our D2C and B2B space. So, I mean, we're still growing our brand. It's been very difficult um, outside of Mexico, of course, because artisanry doesn't have that, a lot of exposure or understanding internationally, but we're using our brand to help bring awareness to that space. Yeah, that, that, that's really cool. I, I love I love the name. It's really, you know, I kind of, I knew it was kind of on that line. So it's great to get it from from the source and really fully understand uh, what, what that means. Uh, so that's, that's really cool. And, and I just always think about brand and, you know, creating, you know, awareness and, and, and these things, you know, I come from the performance marketing space. And so, you know, brand used to not be something that I understood and I, I honestly devalued it. Yeah. Uh, and now I understand it. Like it just has so much power. Like you have to create that brand, that brand equity and, Absolutely. you know, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. Right. And so if you have a strong brand and you want to impact your like performance KPIs, that's the way to do it. Right. Like get your emails open because they know and like your brand. They'll click on your ads. They'll click on your, you know, organic results. They'll they'll, you know, read your SMS marketing because they know, like and trust the brand. Right. And so now that I understand that, I just always, you know, I'm curious to, to learn more about businesses and how they leverage their brand and then. Even some of the, the challenges, because it's difficult. I mean, it's a noisy world out there. There's a lot of really well-established, strong brands. And you're trying to like eke your way, you know, into that space and kind of get your name, you know, in, in someone's headspace, right? You have to, you know, there's only so much room there um, to get in there. And it's challenging being a Mexican company and Mexican-based company. So like I mentioned, in Mexico, we have a very well-established brand because people understand what an artisan is, what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been around here in a long time and launching in the U.S. last year um, was challenging from a brand awareness perspective because not only is it the U.S., which is 10 times the size of Mexico in terms of size and economically, but also you have a lot of valiant causes that people mm-hmm. want to support. So it's not just, you know which brands have great brand equity, but also the causes that are associated to that, because that's actually helping a lot of brands with their brand equity. And so how then do you communicate the importance of this cause and talk to the right people that actually understand this cause and want to believe in this brand and support this brand. So there's a lot of noise out there 
Um, we're trying to stay true to who we are. We really believe that acting and integrity will help with our brand recognition because you want to buy from companies that actually make sense and are living out their values. Um, so that's a big piece of what we're doing and then building that alongside each of our partners. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of, you talk a lot about integrity, right? Yeah. And, and so that's obviously very important. And I think a lot about like the brand's integrity and being true, you know, to the story and to what your mission is and, you know, all of the values that you had. So I, I think that's really uh, great that you're, that you're doing that. And, and you're right. It's tough. I mean, there's just so much competition. And I was thinking in terms of like brands that are competing for space, yeah. but you're also thinking about the cause, Absolutely. right? Cause a couple of things that came to mind was like, like Tom's shoes, which, mm-hmm. you know, buy one, uh, you know, donate one and, uh, or like 10 tree. I don't know if you're familiar with 10 tree, but they donate, you know, or they plant 10 trees for every product. And, exactly. you know, I mean, those have some, you know, people have, that people are thinking about those things. Right. And so you're trying to find your way in there with a new cause, mm-hmm. right. And they, and you have to, you know, find your way, not just for the brand, but in the product, but for the cause. So that's something that I never realized in, until talking to you today. So that's really cool to, uh, to understand that today. Yeah. Um, we're talking a little bit about the challenges. Uh, what, what's been the biggest challenge on your, on your growth journey so far that, that comes to mind? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question, Mike. There are a lot of challenges. I think the biggest one right now for us I would have to be internal, which is actually a cool challenge because we went from a smaller organization to growing exponentially and then having to hire people to help us with that growth. So we're in this weird phase where we're, we went from a small company to a, like we're growing as a medium-sized company. And so things need to change from a process perspective. How do we scale in the right way? How to make sure we have the right talent in the right places. And, and that's been interesting for me as a leader. So my team has grown exponentially, which has been cool. But that means making sure everyone is actually contributing to what makes them grow as a person and as a professional, but also contributing to what we need as a company. And like I mentioned, in these turbulent times, the company's needs change drastically. So it's how do you adapt? How do you fail fast? How do you change? And so internally, that's probably our biggest challenge right now. And it's not a bad thing. It's an exciting thing. It's just how do we grow in a way that makes sense and is scalable, which is a problem you never think about, right? You're like, yeah. let's get money in, let's sell, sell things, and then we'll think about all of the internal stuff later. But that's been a really cool challenge for us as an organization. I think we've really risen to the occasion by building new processes, by working with our partners, by just taking examples from models that work and companies that have scaled in the past, which is really cool. Um, but that's definitely our largest internal challenge. External, I think it's just getting getting some growth in the US, you know, like we really wanna we really wanna enter that market in a meaningful way. And we have been able to in in a meaningful way, but there's always so much opportunity. And I think when you work for, you know, an impact-based organization, you understand that every sale has a life behind it. And so being successful in that market and growing internationally means that we can actually have really positive impact here and all around the world. So for us, there's more pressure to make that sale and every dollar really does count. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think a little bit about the, the KPIs, like which KPIs are on your mind as, as you grow and, and maybe even more specifically as you move into the US, which are the ones that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, it's a really good question. And there are a ton of them across different parts of the business. I think for me specifically, I'm really thinking about sales growth, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sales growth year over year, quarter over quarter, um, also customer growth. So like unique customers that we're actually having, you know, ticket size for, 
for our business, both in direct-to-consumer as well as business solutions. So are we able to actually have average tickets, conversion rates? Like those are very important to us as a business. And all that to say it's impacting our impact metrics, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, really looking at, okay, number of artists and lives that are being lifted out of poverty. How many hours of work are we actually creating in the communities? How many communities have we grown year over year? What is like the level of depth we're actually entering those communities? Because it's one thing to kind of enter a community at level one and help build things and build capacity. But to actually lift people out of poverty, you really need to build maturity in these communities and make sure that they're getting job, like consistent jobs. So, I mean, the sales metrics are closely tied to the impact metrics because every sale means X number of dollars, sorry, X number of hours worked by an artisan. Right. And so those two have to go hand in hand. Um, there are a lot of like more operational KPIs that we work on just because we want to be efficient as an organization and make sure that our supply chain is growing and we're scaling from a community perspective. But I would have to say it's sales and impact right now. Hours worked. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, you, you get excited, like I would get excited about revenue and seeing sales go up. But when that's directly tied to the impact that you're making, it's like, okay, we're even that much more excited about the revenue because we know we're driving this in. It's making this happen. I'm sure this has a like a positive impact, uh, you know, with with employee morale and with the team and, you know, hiring people and them sticking around and staying. Can you just touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I think this is probably the most exciting company culture that I've ever worked in. It's so fascinating and empowering to work with smart individuals that want to solve this problem and that are really fueled by solving this problem. So everything we do, although is business-minded and business-centric because we have to be as an organization, is kind of anchored in that impact space. And you can tell by talking to people. I mean, people are so motivated. Everyone loves going to work in the morning. I mean, we all have our days, but it's <laughs> I've, worked in different, I've worked in different organizations and I really genuinely believe like when I go to the office in the morning or when you get on the phone with someone that they want to be there and they're excited about what they're doing and they understand the big picture whether it's, you know, copywriting for social or if you're, you know, a lead generator within our sales channels, like everyone kind of understands that they're piece in the puzzle, which I think is really important. And a lot of respect goes out to our three founders. Like they make sure that we understand the big picture and understand that every hour that we're working means hours in communities that artisans get to work. Yeah, that's really cool. It's just like the, the, the motivation is just baked in, right? It's just, it's right there. And, and people want to be there for the right reason. Uh, plus, you know, they have a job that, you know, is fun and exciting. Uh, exactly. But but just, you know, to kind of bake that in, just, you know, getting off the track of marketing, but just, you know, to bake that sort of, you know, that's why you get up and go. It's it's right there. It's evident. It's it's the product. It's the company. It's what you're doing. So that's really cool. I'm, I'm sure people are extremely motivated. Um what, what are you most excited? You know, you've had this growth journey, you know, you've, you've accomplished some great goals. Uh, one thing I struggle with is celebrating those. I'm like, oh, next. <laughs> so hopefully you've celebrated some goals in, uh, along the way. But what are you most excited about moving forward and, and you know, continuing this growth journey? It's a really good question. Ooh, I'm excited about so many things. I'm most excited about just the magnitude of impact I think we'll be able to have in the future. So like I mentioned, we're working with many communities here in Mexico. We were doing some pilots in Peru. We're hoping to expand internationally. So I think the magnitude of impact is, is really cool to see that it's not just local anymore, but it could be global and it could be international. 
And as a business, that mission is to lift people out of poverty. When you think about that magnitude, it's really fascinating. Um, so on the impact space, it's definitely that, but also I'm just like really excited about the products we're making. They're really fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Like they do solve needs that we need in the market. And so it's cool to kind of be a part of that and think about that growth from a product perspective and make sure that we're meeting that product market fit. And not only in our direct to consumer business for you and me, but also for companies, how do we make sure we make products that make sense in their value chain that change their buying decisions that make them want to buy artisan made things as opposed to, you know, more off the shelf wholesale things. So I think the product space is very cool because the product space means working with artisans hand in hand and thinking about how do we actually do things and think of new techniques and be innovative. So I think those two things are pretty exciting, both the magnitude and what we're doing from a product perspective. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, definitely that that magnitude continuing to increase that impact, you know, is is a, a great motivator. And if you can see that swell happening, like, hey, we're getting some traction, this thing's starting to snowball. It's like this impact is going to be really, really big. Uh, I can see how that could be, you know, really exciting. Um, I, I'm curious where uh, where people can, you know, check out someone somewhere. Uh, or even, you know, connect with you if they wanted to learn more about uh, what you're up to and and your uh, role at, uh, at someone somewhere as head of Absolutely. growth. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. You can definitely check out some of our products at someonesomewhere.com. Um, so that's our international website. Anyone kind of access that. If you're a business that's looking to collaborate and think of new ways to incorporate artisan-made goods in your value chain for events, onboarding, customer experience, we're the company that can help you do that. So you can reach out to me directly. Maybe I'll, we can put my email in the comments. Um, sure. But also feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah, awesome. Well, well thanks a lot, Nadine. I really appreciate you coming on uh, today and, and talking about someone somewhere. And it's really great to, to hear. And you've, you've uh, enlightened me on a, a lot of things related to B Corps. And I'm just smiling because I'm like, I thought I knew a little bit about this. <laughs> but but I'm, you know, learning sort of the inner workings and, and the impact and in a lot of positive ways, not just the impact for, you know, the, the, the causes you're after, but the impact you have on the people that work there Absolutely. and how, you know, when revenue goes up, the, the cause is going up as well. That's got to be really cool to be a part of. So thanks so much for sharing your uh, growth story today. Thanks so much, Mike, for having me and offering a spotlight for someone somewhere. We're super grateful. And you've asked me some challenging questions. So I'm going to go back to the team and think about, you know, how do we keep growing? Thank you so yeah. much. Awesome. Thank you. Bye have a good one. Bye.